We are in the midst of an epistle here. It just continually focuses on Christ. He's the very focus of the Bible. Boy, you're in Colossians. You cannot miss it at all. He's the supreme being, isn't he? Colossians has uh, emphasized the deity of Christ when we were in, in it last week. For in verse nine, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So you have the deity of Christ are one of the best passages on that. And bodily form talking about his humanness that he had. So you see the deity, the supremacy of Christ. Uh, it's probably one of the most definitive statements in, in all the Bible about Christ being God. Of course, we looked at many other verses that are along the same topic. So we're to make much of Christ, indeed, as you look at the Colossians. And as we get to go week after week looking at these passages, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege. Just kind of camping out in a section that's just focusing upon our, our Savior. So he's the... Uh, it, so, so far in Colossians... He is the image of the invisible God. Remember, he's the image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation, the creator, stainer, head of the church, firstborn of the dead. The fullness of God is dwelling in him, the hope of glory. He's the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and he's over all rule and authority. And that's where we left off in after verse 10. That's what we've seen in these two chapters. And uh, it's brilliantly giving us, I think, a high view of Christ. It's been established, hasn't it? How much further can you go? Supreme. And then he says at the end of uh, verse 10, as he says, he's overall rule and authority, but he says, we've been made complete in him. So we are complete. We look we uh, marvel, we awe Christ, we're in Him. And that's the place that you want to be, isn't it? In Christ. And you see this glorious doctrine about being in Christ all over the New Testament and in Paul's letters. So, we are going to witness uh, something today as we are circumcised with Him baptized with Him, buried with Him, raised up with Him, made alive with uh, with Him, and all the way to triumph. And that's 11 through 15. I don't know if we'll get through all that. But from death to triumph, we are with Christ. So we think about the fullness that we have, our completeness, and it's Christ alone that is who we are in. And uh, everything else, if it's not including Christ, what is it? It's empty deception, as verse 8 says. Christ fills us with His life. So how is that done? Well, these verses that we'll look at, they'll tell us that we are alive together with Christ. Let's have a word of prayer.
Father, we thank You for such a powerful section that You have given us of tremendous glimpse of the glorious Christ. He is what life is about. Awesome He is. We are in awe and that we would be included to be not only brothers of Christ, but in Christ. So we thank You, Lord, as we look at this precious passage and it will uh, gain us more insight into how You are working us in the life of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. The first one that you look at here is found in uh, verse 11 and verse 12. We're in Christ. We're in Christ at His death, at His burial, at His resurrection. It says, uh, and in Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, and which you were also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. Right, we have two pictures here in those two verses. And these are spiritual realities, and we get to look at these pictures and kind of uh, flesh it out here. Uh, for anybody that becomes a Christian, would you say there's a tremendous, dramatic change that happens to them? Of course, right? We went from spiritual death spiritual life. Yeah. And that's the change that he does all the way, not only to life, but triumph. So he uses two illustrations. And he uses one that the Jew would have been very familiar with, and that's circumcision. But it's circumcision made without hands. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So the Colossians, we know, being confronted with false teachers, and now you have some guys come along, would be like Judaizers, also saying that circumcision is necessary for salvation. And they're talking about the physical circumcision. Now, of course, you know, you have the Gnostic heresy going on. Now, you have the Judaizers dealing with this, uh, this circumcision. So you've got war on all fronts. You know, it's like, okay, we've seen the philosophy and all the other stuff that is involved in Colossae, but Judaism is coming in here? Yeah, kind of a mixture of Judaism and Christianity, I guess they were trying to, to make out. And so wherever Paul's at, he's got to defend the gospel every time. Seems like he's always not only having to, you know, give the truth out, but he's having and and he gives it out in defending it, defending the gospel. But he turns around and he sees this over and over and everywhere he goes. So he addresses this. And if you look at circumcision, you go back to Genesis. Because that's where it started. There's a sign given to uh, 
Abraham from God. It's Genesis uh, 17. Now Abraham is the progenitor of the Jewish race. Very first one. He has a son, Isaac, And he's going to come into play here on this uh, on this race, uh, Abraham, and then his son, then his son, and they will continue on. It turns out to be the Jewish race. In verses 10 through 14, this is dealing with uh, Sarah against Hagar. And that area there, really, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you an idea of what it is. It's, it's where Hagar. Uh, let's read it. Where am I? At? Genesis. Wait, I'm in Genesis 21. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about a covenant here. Yeah. Let's let's start with the very first part of it. Okay. Yeah. In 17. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. Servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall be my covenant in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So, real important thing, it's a sign that God has made a covenant between Abraham and really his people from there on out it separates them from the rest of the peoples and it also serves as a uh, spiritual separation uh, as well as a physical aspect that's involved but that is uh, an outward sign of the inward reality and that's really what you, you learn. It's not just the circumcision that makes you automatically uh, a child of God just because of that. But it's saying, these are my people. I'm making a covenant with them. And so there you have it. We know that, uh, of course, Isaac is involved with that. And he's going to be the one who is the a promised one. It wasn't going to be who? Ishmael. You know, we find later in 21. Uh, even though he was born of Abraham, it was not of Sarah. Sarah and Abraham are the ones that carry on this Jewish covenant. But it's really about the inward reality. Always was taught that way. How did the Jews think of it? Well, they had two views. Um, most of the Jews thought this. Because you were born into this people, what's that make you? 
automatic. You're automatically like saved. That alone was enough to, to save. Of course, that kind of transferred over into the church. Uh, had its early days. There were circumcision parties that come around that would be professing Christ, but yet they said you still have to be circumcised. Of course, that means that then you're not saved by grace. Would you say something like, let's say, the diets that that are found in the Old Testament? Yeah. A lot of people would say, well, you have to follow that. How about uh, the holy days? Right. Sabbath. That hangs a lot of people up. Uh, which would be the seventh day, which would be Saturday. If you don't do that, then you are you're not really worshiping God. Right. So you have the days, the uh, the diets, the, all the different rituals. Yeah. Matter of fact, you have the festivals starting right now. Started on uh, Tony's birthday. Uh, yesterday. Feast of Trumpets. You know, so, and of course, it's interesting to find out what those mean, you know, behind the idea, but do we follow them as Christians? Or well, no. I'd rather follow them than right. There are true spiritual meanings behind that. Right. But to follow them just to make yourself right. a spiritual elite, right. it, it means nothing. But there's a lot of teaching that go, go in with those festivals to say, here's what they are. They all represent who Christ is, really. He's the fulfillment of, of all of that. He's the fulfillment of the, the holy days and, and such. But some people depend on spiritual ritualism to really save them. And so, therefore, you have like baptism, communion. You know, that's the things that the Protestant churches have. And it says as he was speaking, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, Peter in Acts 10 and 11, and Cornelius, he was at that household. And that was really representing Gentiles. And of course they had, they weren't, in Judaism I think they were God-fearers they were called, they knew something about God. But it wasn't the food because they kept that diet. Of course that was a lesson to Peter right off the bat. You know, that God was, uh, you know, fulfilling this promise of the new covenant which doesn't take in all those rituals, regulations that they had once had. Well, today, there are people that think if they show up at one of those religious facilities, that's an amazing thing. That's it. Right. I go to church. Right. Well, I go to church. <laughs> It'd be same thing. Going just to go. church. Yeah. Just go. You're part of it. And if uh, you ask them what they believe, well, well, my church believes. I've never gone to church. <laughs> My church has a doctrine, and I believe that. Whatever they believe. <laughs> yeah, they, don't, they generally don't hear words on that word. <laughs> Whatever the church believes. Well, that's what my pastor says. My father would have. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. But what about you? If you're Danny, but what about you? Yeah, you stand alone in that conversation. Well, that was the one view that the Jews would have. There is one that is biblically correct, and they see that circumcision is an outward demonstration. Man is sinful and needs to be cleansed. Take something physically where there is truth in that, but it's applying it to the spiritual aspect. So, man needs cleaning, you know, a cleansing deepest level of his being you know, this physical part of the body produce life and all that man produces is what? sinful that's the idea so that's the biblical view circumcision was a symbol to really illustrate the desperate need that man had for cleansing cleansing of the heart and that's where we're getting at in, in the Colossian passage so the meaning of the circumcision is the heart. That was taught in the Old Testament. Why didn't they read their Bibles? Deuteronomy. It's in the law. Ten sixteen. So circumcise your heart. Stiffen your lip neck no longer. There he takes something there and he says, circumcise your heart. How can that be? He's talking about physically. can't be, can it? It's spiritual. Circumcise your heart. So that goes right along with the law of circumcision, but it's about the heart. We know that. Chapter 30, verse 6. Deuteronomy. All throughout the teaching should have been this. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and 
that you may live. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah in the prophets. Now that was the law. Let's go to the prophets. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 4 Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart. Men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. So there is a need, a deep need of cleansing spiritually, circumcising themselves, circumcising the heart. Chapter. Uh, Verse 26. Egypt, Judah, and Edom, and the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all those inhabiting the desert who clip the hair on their temples. For all the nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised, even though they're circumcised. They're uncircumcised of heart. Jeremiah addresses it. You're uncircumcised, just like the pagans of Egypt and Judah and Edom and Ammon and Moab. That's what he compared it with. They had to get really mad at Jeremiah when he said that. Oh, they were terribly mad. How dare you? You don't know me. That's right. The Lord says you're So we go to Romans 4.11. Should the Jews have known about circumcision? over the Old Testament about what it really is about. Here it's speaking about Abraham who was actually justified before circumcision ever was done. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. He was the father of all even before he was circumcised, without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. So, all those Judaizers, Paul just takes that argument down very quickly. They couldn't stand with that. Why had to just go back to Scripture and see what it was really about. Is exactly the way they view. And of course, when Jesus came on the scene, it's exactly the way they were. 
only even worse because they had all those rules that Pharisees had made up and that is it a heart that is made right of course he's the one that does it but yet we're to respond to his calling on that sinful nature is cut away that's the idea when we take something physically they knew what that meant sinful nature that's what that was representing it's made without hands it's spiritual oh Romans 6 verse 6 knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The old self or is comparing it to the body of sin of the old man is done away with. Nature's cut away. Our old self was crucified with him. Oh, six Corinthians five seventeen. It's a classic, isn't it? Christ has not been raised. Wait a minute. Wrong one. Better than that. Didn't seem right. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So the old things, that body of flesh, the old man, has been cut away. Here it says, passed away. The old things passed away. So that happened really at the cross. It's like we were at the cross in that sense. Uh, Galatians 2.20 right after 2 Corinthians. Galatians. Classic verse here too. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live. Christ lives in me. Like which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He loved me and gave Himself up for me. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. That's good to uh, keep in mind, aren't they? First, like that has to be thought of frequently. And, you know, you have a you have a new nature in an old body. That's the problem. That's a problem. We have a heart that has been made right. But look what we're still in, in the body sinful world. That's our battle. That's our struggle. But our old self, what happened? It's dead. So that new creature in there is good. So how can that new creature have such a hard time? 
And Rome, the other guy's dead. <laughs> Romans 7. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that's always a question, isn't it? That's the problem. I don't do better, but that's what's going on. Yeah, the old guy's dead. Right. There's a battle for that not to appear, is what the problem is. There is this battle to rely on the old thinking. Yeah. Well, we'll start at verse 14. How about that? This gives the answer. For we know that the law is spiritual. It's a good thing, right? But I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what am I doing? I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do. We as Christians are not doing some of the things that we know that we really want to do. I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. God, your your word is true. It's good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Remember, there's a new creature. It is good. But here, of this flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it. But sin, what? Which dwells in me. Ah. Uh, my new nature wants to obey God. When you were an unbeliever, you didn't have a war going on because there wasn't a new nature there. And the new nature didn't, or, I mean, your old nature didn't want to really obey God. It wanted to do whatever it wanted to do. Which is really easy. And you and you reveled in that old way. You were so good that you stayed there. You had no desire to oh, and there was that issue that you knew it was wrong. So you tried yep. to hide it. Right. <laughs> you just reveled in it because you got away with it. You know, I, yeah. So now with your new nature, you have to rely on something different than your old thinking to have evil things. And so then you have to, what, is, what else do I rely on if I don't rely on my old thinking? Well, before we get there, let's go ahead and he keeps emphasizing this. And I will do that, that uh, passage in Galatians. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully, and the question is, is where is it at? I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. I agree with God. The law is good. His word is good. But I see a different law in the members of my body. That's key right there. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? 
Thanks be to God, Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. What he's simply saying is that here's the war. And we, we really should win. There's another principle. It's in my members and it wars against God's truth. It brings me into captivity uh, to the law of sin, which is in what? My members or the flesh. And not necessarily this flesh, but we're talking that sinful part of us and we are in this body of flesh but, but it goes into the fleshly kind of nature. The old man is dead. We have a new man. So there's only one man. The new man that's living. There's a dead man. And that's what he's saying, because the new me cannot is really not sinning. Satan on one shoulder and angel on the other. That's real. It's a war, isn't it? And why don't I want to do it? Because it's not right. That's what I And so the law of God is my mind, right? That's in my mind. And renew it daily, right? But sin is in my members. The law of God is in my thinking, you know. That's why I want to do good. But in my members, you know, the new nature that is in me has been purified. But the body that it lives in is in a mess. Now, when we go to heaven, I don't get a new inside, I get a new outside body. If I could just get my good inside out of this bad outside, <laughs> God promised I'll give him a new heart, didn't he? Remember that? It's part of that's really the covenant. So uh, Paul says that you have a new life. It's been given in the way that Christ circumcised your heart. So that's always good. And what he did, he took away the old nature. A lot of people say that you have an old man battling the new man. But there's a problem with that. What God did whenever He changes us, He puts in a new creature. 
and does away with the old. Old things have passed away. The old man is dead. Now we might be carrying on the carcass of an old man on us. Yeah, that's kind of the picture that people have given sometimes. But, you know, he circumcises our, gives us a new nature. You know, we don't need an outward sign. That's absolutely irrelevant here, as we read here in Colossians. But we are the true circumcision. We worship God. Have no confidence in the flesh. Now, you go to Galatians. Galatians 5. <clears throat> Can you read it? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, dignity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. So we're talking about the, the flesh. These are the things of the flesh. These are the things that we are always in conflict with. Okay, stop. I'm right there then. Okay. Now, can Christians do some of these sins that have been mentioned in 19 and 20? And so we're not giving it out and saying, well, listen, I'm a Christian. I have a new man in here, but I can sin all I want. I'm <laughs> drinking, but I, I get a little angry sometimes. <laughs> Outburst of anger. Oh. Disputes, dissension. Jealousy, strife. But here's what it's saying here. If and and somebody would say, well, then it means that sounds crazy. If you're a Christian, you just sin like the devil. No, you can't. Because here's the fact of the matter. He says, if you practice these things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. What's he saying? You lose your salvation? No. He's saying you never had it. You're still living like you were. You're not a new man. If you practice these things, you are really not circumcised. You're not a believer. You're not inheriting the kingdom of God. So he said, what is the deal then? Well, the thing is, this is an ongoing thing. And this is present in our lives and that's what makes us who we are. Somebody's fooling themselves, aren't they? Now, you know, we say, well, what if I had one of these? Some kind of idolatry. Every one of us here have idol problems. Sometimes it could be just a matter of really enjoying food a little bit too much. Is that is that idolatry? Food can be an idol. You you know what? Just even something that sounds so good, like even just leisure, going to church, can could be idolatry if we don't have a relationship with Christ. Work can be idolatry. I mean, Work, oh, just name it. Anything. Music. Makes you something. Yeah. Take it over. It it replaces Christ. So you know, of course, idolatry is always mentioned in the list of sins here, but. You know, whether it be like anger, you know, if we constantly do that, we need to check ourselves because, wow, this doesn't resemble what Christianity says. If if these things are there in your life, 
then what do you have? And you don't even know it's happening until suddenly you realize, oops. <laughs> the members of my body, or another well, word for it is sin. Well, and the, the beauty of not being a Christian is they'd sneak up on you and you do them and you never realize. They don't realize sneak it. up on them. They just think that's how it is. Well, you yeah. just, it just happens. That's just what you do. You and that's your, that's your nature. The na- and the nature of mankind, that's the way they think. And they don't think, you know, sometimes they might be a, a little more conscious of it, especially if they're around maybe a Christian sometimes. Maybe not. Some kind of well, it, was all, it was all those people. The only reason that I became aware of my anger issues is because people kept telling me, <laughs> Why are you so angry? I'm just very passionate about something. Passionate. It took me forever to get rid of it. I see it like these things are, um, these things are like boring, especially to the non-believers. And like for us, we believe, obviously, that as we start our walk in Christ, we may not know that, you know, idolatry, we may not know anything about idolatry or stuff, but we may think pornography is okay, or, you know, oh, you know, I only care about the weekend. Things like that. At first, we may not know that those are problems until after we start a walk And then once we put to death the old ways, because we're like, oh, I'm walking new, these things are obviously bad, I need to stop. And once we stop doing those things, I feel like it gets us even harder. Yes. Like it really tries to ask us twice as much. Um, Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, so then we, we get to see, we get to see the world. We, we get to see the sinner that we once were in the people who don't know Christ. And we get to see them when I talk to them. It's like, oh yeah, they they believe pornography is okay. They want to be drunk every day. They want to, you know, all the things that the flesh wants. And I can see it in them. I'm like, wow. Now you're expecting the fruit here, right? And there's not real fruit, is there? Right. But yeah, go ahead and read that now. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I find that part interesting because you can't tell somebody, you know, be loving. You can't tell somebody, be patient. You can tell them to be patient, but you can't say, if you're not patient, I'm throwing you in jail. If you're not being loving, I'm throwing you in jail. Like the world is doing that today. People love just certain groups of people for their abominable beliefs, we're going to throw you in jail. That's not love. That's right. And so, you know, with all these things, it's almost like, it's really cool because it's kind of like, Sin seems to have such a big list. You know, the flesh seems to have like a big list. There's, you know, at least eight or more there. And then love with the Spirit, there's You know, but each one of those, if you take the love, joy, and if you look up at all those other things, they, they if you put those into place, those other sins up there will, it's like it has an answer to yeah. it. Yeah, those things like for the love. Well, if you're love, you're not envious. You're not doing a lot of those others. So they actually kind of, it's like almost like, 
these put other these things in, would be selfish, wouldn't instead. they? Yeah, put these in, those other things will not be a problem as much. Maybe. And that's where I feel like that war comes into place. Because it's the descent nature, which is all of these things that are especially virus. And the new that's in Just. us, which is the spirit, and its fruits are constant at war. Because it's like, oh, I could be angry right now, but it's like, I'm not being Oh, I'm really mad at them right now, but they're brother in Christ. So <laughs> yeah, well, what's the other side? The love towards them, and it's like, ah, oh, wow, you know, she's really pretty, and then it's like, okay, but you know, where are my thoughts at? Where's my heart at? And it's just everything. I have to have self control. And if I have love, then that means that I'm not allowing my thoughts to go to a place that's not love. Yeah, well, jealous or envious of what other people have. You know, part of having peace. Right. Even if we're looking at him in the truck. She got taxes a couple of people now. Always, though. Being happy. Look good. There's a Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Audrey's talking about, probably <laughs> envy. I'm envious over that truck. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be kind, it's, you know, it's sitting and by. Gentle, <laughs> and loving, and, and glad that Penny got a good deal on the truck. She was <laughs> one. And if you do all that, that would be loving because and you're rejo- rejoicing, rejoicing with them. with them that they were able to make that happen. And then also from that, if you ever need to borrow it, she'll probably That's borrow. what I'm saying <laughs> right there. <laughs> and do all those other things. Sometimes, if it happens to need a truck, Penny said that night, well, she's like, it has a Christian, Penny has to let me borrow it. Because <laughs> I was so glad you got that truck, Penny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always the other side to it, isn't there? (laughs) But, you know, matter of fact, it's all set up by the first two verses, but I say, here's what Paul says, walk by the Spirit. I mean, live it. You know, practice it. it. This is your everyday thing. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the... Remember chapter 7 of Romans? You say, oh, it's flesh then. Oh, it's sin, isn't it? And he says, the desire... That's really what we're warring against. The flesh. The fleshly nature. The old man's dead. You have a new man. and That's what should be controlling our mind. But yet the flesh just wants to do whatever. you know. And it says here, but you walk by the Spirit. And of course you think of those like what you just said, the fruit of the Spirit, you think of that, and you won't carry out that desire. And then here's a verse 17. Here is the war verse. This explains it all. For young Christians, old Christians, we always need to know what is going on. Here it is. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. The Spirit is against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. This is a war term here. So that you may not do the things that you please. So, you know, there's your Romans. <laughs> that gets, right. That's really the bottom line. It's well, really and you not know, about all of that. <coughs> and if you just live by the Spirit, you get so much better. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, all that other stuff didn't make you happy. You gotta keep getting more. No, it sounds like it's you know a commandment, and he's saying you gotta do this and you can't do that. Yeah, (laughs) because this is good for you. Yeah, so I'm telling you not to do things that you shouldn't. It's harmful to you. Oh, that's that's the argument for a lot of non-Christians. Oh, I'd have to change. I'd have to give up all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have a better life. You wouldn't have to give up all that. That would be a good thing. Yeah, there's some people I got to, I got to a friend of mine, and he was like, there's no morality in life. Well, we got two pretty big problems because, you know, mad at God, with your mom, first hand. So we just, he got angry when I was talking to him. He says there's no such thing as morality, so everything's, do whatever you want. Immorality is not really immorality. It's like whatever, right? So, I mean, we, we had a long talk, and at the end, you know, he didn't really have much to say. They, they generally start changing their mind when it comes back to them. When bad things happen, then they want to point a finger at God. There's no morality. Why is all this bad stuff? It's all God's fault. You just don't understand. I told him, I was like, the devil is blind in your eyes. A lot of professing Christians say the same thing. How could God let that happen to Yeah. That's just terrible. Right after that fruit of the Spirit in verse 24, now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, here we go, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now what he's saying, positionally, we were crucified with Christ. But at the same time, what are we supposed to do? Crucify the flesh. Even though Christ has done this, He's put this in your position. Given you a new heart, circumcised heart. And He says, we, that's been crucified. But what are we to do? Then to do it, to practice it. And so He says, if we live by the Spirit, walking, let us also walk by the Spirit. So there it is. That's the answer to the Romans 7. Of course, at the end of Romans 7, what does he say? It's all Christ. He's always the answer. He, you know, the fruit of God's Spirit, you see, all these things will come out in, you know, and conquer the flesh. The desires of the flesh. The flesh is always going to do it. Even with the best of Christians. They're still involved with that war. You know, you never finally get over it till glorification. It's still a war. It's a battle till it's it done. It gets easier. It does get easier. It does get better. It's, it's not quite as difficult to not do those things. Well, that means if we're walking in the flesh, or in the spirit, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we don't want that. Anymore, even at all, we don't even want to think about it. Do you remember that book? Uh, and we're aware of it. 
that was, to me, that was the shock. I had no idea how I talked. I had no idea what was coming out of my mouth until <laughs> I started turning to the Lord and then I heard this stuff coming out. I could not believe I was talking Did I say that? I, kept, I had a terrible mouth. Well, you know what? People, you've heard just terrible language and it's almost yeah. like damaging to your ears. Oh, they have no idea, no idea that they're even... The house and she's no just saying all kinds of stuff. And I'm oh, I, like could, going like, I could embarrass the CEOs with my language. But that was just part of you, right? That was I your nature. I, I never heard it. I didn't really... You know, I mean, that's just the way you talk. You can't... I, there are times I can't talk to people because every other word is a cuss word. <laughs> Can't you talk without saying that? Yeah, it really is. I hear it, it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the lady just looked like a really nice lady, but man, I thought then she must have hung out with some sailors. <laughs> 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 yeah. like, why are yeah. you? Why are you saying that? Why is that what she's And she it wasn't of any. Wasn't that she was really ranting on something? It was just just I was like, wow, that's a shame. You talk like that this kind of. Yeah, I'm just saying. For some reason, I think I must have looked at her a couple of times because she kind of stopped. That was one of the first things that really struck me when I, you know, my life started changing. I could hear, I noticed things. How does that happen? It just rung in here. I didn't hear anything else you said, but I said, I was wondering, why did you say that? <laughs> and you're like, like I said, this is a neighbor lady who was like, going, are you really upset about something that you're. It's just regular conversation. It's just this, yeah, and just, yeah. I think I looked at it, and sometimes she's like, she's talking like that. It's like, being concerned, and you that upset? This is, really got you bad, huh? Well, that's one picture. We'll close with that. Verse 11 says this. See if it makes sense now. And in Him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, you know, it wasn't a physical thing, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What it is, is Christ circumcised our hearts and it took away the old man, that old nature. It's still battle, but the old nature is gone. It's dead. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for the circumcision of our hearts, giving us a new man. So help us as we walk in this world, walk like Christ, and realize the position that we're in, and represent Him in every way. Thank you for your truth. That's what transforms. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. New thing about a new vehicle. I ain't gonna find